This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's Big Beans. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. <laughs> Welcome to show number 56, officially. As opposed to last week when it was show number 55, and I called it show number 56, because, you know, I moron. get kind of... You know. Oh, you get ahead of yourself? Yeah, a little out of oh, myself. Not that you're a moron. Not that I'm a moron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nikki, there could be only one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apparently we have another guest this week. We do have another guest this week. We are just guesting it up. Are you happy about that? I am. I am. It, like, I think... If I had to talk to you the entire time, especially when you, you know, are in a mood as you were just before we hit record. Well, I mean, there's a lot of things going on right now. So, I mean, it put me in a mood. That's yeah, like, what there's, it I, I, whatever. I, okay. <laughs> it is. That's fine. It is. But yeah, I've really enjoyed having, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm going to Mario Lopez all over you today. Good, good. I, I don't even amped care. up today. You are amped up today because you get to sleep late tomorrow. I get to sleep late tomorrow and you have no idea. Until you have to wake up at two fucking forty in the morning and go to work, how good sleeping until like seven thirty is gonna feel? I'm probably gonna be gone before you are tomorrow. I doubt it. I don't know. I have to be downtown for nine o'clock in the morning. You have to be at work at ten, so I think I might be gone before you. Oh well, then it looks like you won, which is everything that you always strive to do. So <laughs> that's it. And I'll just come home and I'll be like, going, "I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm so exhausted." <laughs> oh, huh. So listen. What? Why don't we get into your herd? Okay. Because that'll put you right on the pedestal. You have your own little thing. My going. own my my one minute pedestal. You have your own little thing going. Why don't <laughs> you little... treat, treat yourself to a segment? Why don't you? <laughs> my little nook of the high regard show before Tom barrels over all of it. <laughs> my time's coming. Go on. <laughs> So this week's You Heard goes in line with the comedy album title that we're the comedian that we're talking to has. And it comes to us from the NYU Langone ER. Hmm, which we, I know that place. Yes, I think I know that bitch. <laughs> where we paid a lovely visit two days after your surgery, uh, your bariatric surgery, you know, that we've been talking about in Broly Poly Rorty. And this gentleman is in the like cubicle next to us, and the nurse asked him. And he was older. He like sounded very much like my father, very like conservative and like just a curmudgeonly 
you know. Curm- yes, I know curmudgeon. <laughs> you recognize curmudgeoning. I have, I have experience with curmudgeonry, yes. <laughs> like, he was literally my dad. Like, And the nurse asks him, and I quote, Do you do whippets? Oh, I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> and I was completely drugged up, and I was like, wait, someone's doing whippets? <laughs> and we both, like, look at each other, and we're just like, okay. And, like, I inch closer, and I, like, take out my little notepad, and I'm, like, in my phone. And I'm, like, typing up, like, this guy is going to be a comedy goldmine. <laughs> <laughs> and was he? I got another one out of him. Like, yeah, one other you heard out of him. But he wasn't, as soon as she was, I don't know what whippets are. Yeah, he, what is I, a whippet? I don't whippet? know what a whippet is. Have you ever done a whippet? No, I, that's ridiculous, man. If I'm going to, like, ruin a can of, like, <laughs> whip cream. whipped cream, you better damn well believe I'm getting the whipped cream out of it first. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, that's insane. I love whipped cream. I wouldn't waste it on a whippet. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I had a friend once that, like, you know, like, a group of people were doing it, and my friend, like, I looked up at him, and he was doing it, and his face turned completely blue. And I, of course, was in high school, so I, of course, was high as a kite. And I, like... Looked at him and I thought his head was going to explode and I started like losing my shit. And I'm like, I will never do a whip it. I just don't get it, man. I don't understand. Like, what? You're just ruining like one of the best parts of a dessert. Yeah. Like, why? Why would you even? I don't get it. But I don't know. I think I would hang out with people who do whippets and just be like, give me all the whipped cream and then and this then way you don't waste it. it. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. But to if waste you use it. all the whipped cream, does it like wipe away the power of the whippet? Like, what's a whippet supposed to do? Isn't it supposed to just like expand your brain for two seconds and then go away? The hell do I know about it? All right. Well, that was this week's You Heard. <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm the expert on drugs. This is great. I'm not the expert on drugs. All right. We're not experts. There you go. (laughs) So, (laughs) now that we got that out of the way, why don't we talk a little bit about Mr. Noah Gardenschwartz? Yes. This week's guest is comedian Noah Gardenschwartz, who recently released his first comedy album on Comedy Central Records, and it's called, fittingly, blunt yes and on the cover which is really funny is he's like on the cover of the album like he's sitting in front of like a green chalkboard you know with like all the erasers on it like you know just like the erase marks and it just says blunt and then his name and he's sitting in front of it smoking out of an apple Well, the apple is symbolic of education, and I feel like it needed to be updated just like everything else in this city, so uh, I could see that. I could totally see that. And I mean, who hasn't, you know, smoked out of a strange apparatus at some point in their life if they were a pot smoker? Um, Probably people with a budget. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Noah's album was really, really funny. Um, you know, it was re- released back in August. Um, and he covers everything from like racism and he talks about his time being an elementary school teacher, which was like really funny. And of course, you know, an existential crisis that he had while on acid. So why don't we let Noah tell us a little bit about himself? All right, let's roll that brain footage. Birds. Thanks so much for talking to the High Regard Show. We really, really appreciate it. And we just yeah, listened to 
<laughs> we just listened to Blunt, and we really, really liked it. So, you know, let's start with that. You know, it was released on August 26th. How did the album come about, and how long was it in the process? You know, how long was the process of coming up with the act that we hear on the album? Um, well, so, first of all, thank you for listening to it, and I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I recorded it in January, and it came about just by – I um, I did – an hour-long show at a place called The Creek in the Cave, which is one of my home clubs in New York. Mm -hmm. And I basically took the hour-long recording of that show and sent it to Comedy Central and let them know that I was interested in doing my first album this year. And uh, very fortunately for me, Dara Frank, the woman who's in charge of the recording of the Comedy Central, liked the album, and so she agreed to record it. Um, and so over the next few months, we kind of went back and forth over places to record it and when I would do it, and we decided to do it in New York uh, in January. And as far as the amount of time it took to create the material, um, I mean, it was the first album I've ever done, and I've been doing comedy for about eight and a half years, so it's kind of like a best-of collection. I mean, obviously, most of the material on there was not from when I first started. You know, it takes years and years in comedy before sure. you actually have jokes good enough to make it onto a recording, but I mean, I would say the process of getting the material really was about eight and a half years of doing comedy. Wow. <laughs> and, and, you know, how has the reception been so far? So far, it's been good. I mean, I, you know, fortunately, all the things that I've read or heard have been positive, but most of the feedback that I'm getting is from <laughs> people I already know and are friends with, so, so, you know, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of built in with a home team in that regard, but the... <laughs> The objective reviews that I read um, from people who didn't know me seemed to like the album, which was good. Awesome. And right around the same time as your first comedy album was coming out, you appeared on Conan, which happened on, on uh, August 22nd. What was that whole experience like for you? Uh, I mean, honestly, it was a dream come true years in the making. I've always wanted to do Conan, and so mm -hmm. to get the opportunity to do it, was amazing and to be able to do it the week that I had the special and the album coming out. So I actually had something cool to promote and to just see Conan holding up my album. It really was surreal. It was, it was something that I was dreaming of doing and it ended up being a better combination of events than I ever could have planned if you asked me. Um, but that said, by the end of that week, I was just exhausted with self promotion and I, I was just kind of sick of myself. I was tired of my own voice. I was tired of my own face. And I, you know, I felt very grateful for all the support that I got. But um, by the end, I just wanted to go away and leave people alone for a while. <laughs> well, that's kind of refreshing, you know, because usually, like, you know, comics are pretty, <laughs> you know, self-promotional. So that's very refreshing to hear that you kind of just wanted to get out of the world for a little bit. That's, that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I love, I love all the support, but I hate the self-promotion. I know, I know it's a necessary <laughs> evil in comedy, but I really do. That's one of the things about comedy that I, I could do without. And, you know, before you were a comic, you know, you were a journalist, a day trader, an elementary school teacher. You know, how did you decide to – when did you know you were funny? And then how did you decide to pursue a career in comedy? Uh, I mean, I knew I was funny. I always – I grew up in a household that enjoyed humor. I just grew up in a big, crazy, loud Jewish family uh, where we, we all made each other laugh. So – I mean, humor was just kind of a part of my upbringing. Um, and then in school, I was always a class clown. But, but even through growing up in a funny family and, and kind of being the funny kid in class, I never in a million years would have guessed that I would become a stand-up comedian. It almost just happened accidentally where 
I've always I've always been creative and a bit of a writer. So my mm-hmm. senior year in college, I started doing open mics um, with jokes, honestly hoping to get hired to write for someone else. I, even when mm-hmm. I started doing stand-up comedy, I didn't plan on being a comic. And then it just one thing led to another where um, after I got more comfortable on stage, I started doing it. And then I think because I, I didn't always love the performing aspect of it, I, I mm-hmm. took a break from all those other jobs that you named. And it was actually stepping away from the stage and doing those other jobs that made me realize how much I missed comedy and how much I loved it when I was doing it. And that's kind of when in my mind I decided to go full force with the comedy going forward. Okay. And who were your influences, you know, especially when you were growing up, like who, who did you, who do you remember watching that where you were just like, wow, that's kind of, I could see myself doing something like that. Um, so growing up, I mean, I, I grew up, absolutely worshiping all of Chris Rock and George Carlin's HBO specials. Those were the earliest examples of comedy that I can remember just being blown away uh, and not even thinking, wow, I could do something like that. I would watch them and think, wow, I could never do something like that. You know, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was just comedy at such a high level that it really fascinated me. And oddly enough, my crazy loud Jewish family, we also, when I was a little kid, used to gather around and for whatever reason as a family, we watched Death Comedy Jam together on HBO. <laughs> So, so that that was kind of an influence of myself. And then, you know, as I got older and found my own comedic taste, I obviously was a huge fan of Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle Mitch Hedberg, uh, Dimitri Martin, Tig Notaro. There were, those were all comedians that I just really, really um, admired what they did on stage or their joke writing abilities. And so, um, you know, I never, I never looked at them and, and tried to be them, but those were the comedic voices that kind of, formulated my appreciation well i guess the def jam you know help you prepare for uh the apollo that you have coming up in december that'll be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't know if there's anything that can prepare you for that <laughs> and you know what do you remember about you know your first stand-up set whether it was like an open mic or because i mean i've been to open mics in new york i'm not participating but i've been to them and man i don't know how people do it so like what do you remember about your very first set Oh, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, partly because it was in a taco restaurant in Atlanta, Georgia. Called, the first place I ever went up was at a place called Twisted Taco. Um, and I had four of my friends in the audience. And one thing that I will never forget, um, this was actually for my first few years in comedy, but also the first time I ever wore them, was I used to wear gold teeth when I was on stage. I had top and bottom <laughs> I had top and bottom gold grills that I wore to perform, and uh, so that that was certainly memorable. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I hope to share with fans because that would be oh, funny. I've, I've I've got video of it, and it is to be determined if it will ever be released <laughs> for for the public. And and what's your writing process? Is it something that you do every day? You know, do you are are you like one of those people that carry a notebook with you to just see the crazy things that you see, you know, riding the New York City subway, you know, what, what's well, that? Well, so, yeah, I mean, I am one of those people who always has something to write with, whether it's a notepad or my phone. I mean, I am always prepared to write an idea, but I really wish I was able to be more disciplined with my writing. Like, I I can't just sit down from 12 to 5 and be like, okay, now is when I write. You right. know, I, I have to write when inspiration strikes me. Um and specifically because my jokes are really based on my life and not like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not much of a like one-liner joke writer about just silly things in the world. I pretty right. much all my jokes have to do with things that happen to me. So, so really, it's just 
as things happen or as I'm inspired to write a joke, I always make sure to write it. Like, I am very good about not wasting time with an idea. If something strikes me, I do make sure to write it down so I have it. Mm-hmm. But but I don't have, like, a set schedule to write. It's really just when inspiration strikes, whether that's 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 5 o'clock in the morning. You know, if right. an idea comes, I make sure to get it down. You know, you've been in New York now for, you know, three years. What was the biggest adjustment you had after moving here? Because, you know, I'm sure it's a little different than, you know, living in Atlanta, you know. So what was the biggest adjustment that you went through? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the first six months, comedy is incredibly difficult in New York. And Mm -hmm. the big adjustment there is, for the most part, you shouldn't be moving to New York to do comedy unless you're (laughs) already kind of one of the big guys in the city, big guys or big girls that you're uh, in the city that you're coming from. And so the biggest uh, difficulty in obstacle when you get there is just kind of checking your ego because you're used to being the big fish in a small pond and all of a sudden right. you're just a, a nobody in this huge city with the best comics in the world. And so you go from headlining your local shows to waiting to get up at an open mic where no one knows right. who you are and no one cares who you are. Um, but that's to be expected. That was That were all the things that I was prepared to deal with when I moved to New York. What I wasn't prepared to deal with and the the biggest obstacle is just life in New York. You know, little things (laughs) like having to do your laundry and realizing that you have to carry 20 pounds of dirty clothes a few blocks away to a laundromat and wait for it to be done as opposed to doing it in your house or having a car to drive somewhere. It's just honestly the most difficult part about doing comedy in New York is at first just learning how to live in New York. Right. Yeah, that is a big adjustment for sure. And how do the audiences and the way that you would present to the audiences in, you know, Atlanta and New York differ? Uh, No, there's, I mean, the jokes that I tell, I'll tell anywhere. There are obviously certain jokes that work better, um, not necessarily in certain cities, but just based on the audience that comes in. You know, if it's an old audience, young audience, black audience, white audience, that tends to um, changes the reception that my jokes get much more than the actual city that they're in. Uh, the one thing that is kind of different about New York than anywhere else, though, is in New York, because you can kind of just be a New York comedian and perform for New York audiences, you you can kind of develop a tendency to write New York-centric material that no one else right. gives a shit about. You know, like I can right. have five, five or ten great minutes on the crazy people in the subway, and then when I go perform in Des Moines, Iowa, no one gives a shit about that. Right. And so you just kind of, you know, like, it's okay to have that material because sometimes it's fun just to do well in New York for the sake of doing well. But you also have to realize that a lot of times when you write material that New York inspires, it's not necessarily going to make it into your act right? as you travel. And, you know, speaking of traveling, you're on the road a lot this fall. What is your favorite thing about being out on the road and touring? Uh, I mean, my favorite thing about being out on the road is honestly just feeling like you're doing it, like you're living the dream. You know, I mean, when mm-hmm. you're doing those open mics with gold teeth in your mouth at a taco restaurant <laughs> on a Tuesday night, you dream of being able to hit the road and getting paid to do comedy. And so it's really nice to kind of check in years later and just be grateful for how far you've come. Um, it's always nice to see new cities. It's really cool to meet new comics and meet new people after the shows. Hopefully gain a few fans while you're there so i mean mm-hmm. there's a lot that's great about doing the road but it's also difficult to live out of a hotel in a suitcase and not have home-cooked meals and you know fly right. you know the, the, traveling has its own issues but all in all i wouldn't trade it for the world i'm obviously 
much happier being on the road and dealing with all that than not working. Right, right. And, you know, we talked to a lot of comedians. We've spent a lot of time in New York's clubs the past year. And one thing that it seems people are really not laughing about is the election, when in past years, you know, presidential election has always been fodder for all types of comedy. Why do you think that is this year? And do you ever, you know, get political or do you kind of stay away from that? Um, I think part of the reason is not so hit on this year is because it's so much more in the media and social media and so present with so many opinions coming from all angles. that It's just like, even though comedians might have a more interesting or more humorous slant on it, it's already just kind of played out and people are sick of hearing about it. And comedy now is kind of a break from all that, as opposed to hearing a comedian talk about what you've heard someone else talk about all day. Right. Um, It's also entirely possible that because, I mean, politics is obviously always divisive, but it seems to be a little bit more divisive than ever before. Mm-hmm. And and so just kind of the risky run of creating bitterness or negativity in the crowd as you talk about something is a lot different than before. Um, but as, as for me, I never get political just because I don't really do um, humor based on current events or topical news only right. because it has such a short shelf life, you know, and that's, That's not just politics. In general, whenever there's a big news story, I don't touch it for a lot of reasons, one of which, like I said, because in a month it's going to be irrelevant, and I don't like spending a lot of time creating a great joke that I'm never going to be able to use after a month. And also, if it's that big of a news story, you just have to assume that 15 million other people are talking about it, and I just don't (laughs) like being on stage talking about something that the comic before me or the comic after me might also be talking about. Right. No, that's definitely understandable for sure. Um. And finally, on the cover of Blunt, um, you know, and on yeah. Blunt, you're very open about smoking, and you're seen using an apple as a smoking apparatus. What is the most MacGyver thing as a smoker that you've had to create to smoke out of? Okay, so when I was in high school, my friends and I really MacGyvered the shit out of one thing. We we took a uh, a two liter Mountain Dew bottle, and then we. <laughs> And then we hollowed out a Crayola marker and stuck the hollowed out marker into the side of the bottle as a carb. And so we smoked out of the marker and put tinfoil over the top of the two-liter bottle to be the bowl, and we made a huge gravity bong out of this Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and we actually, it wasn't like a one-year thing. We held on to it for a year and used it all the time. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think partly I think because all... it worked, and partly because we we're just so impressed with what we had created. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for speaking to the High Regard Show, Noah. We really, really appreciate it, and you know, we wish you the best of luck. The album was great, and we can't wait to see you, you know, here and there in New York when you know you come back around this way. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I'm glad to see you better. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Have a great day, sir. And there we have it. There we have it indeed. I gotta say, man, like, you know, the album itself, awesome. Mm-hmm. It was really funny. He is very, very insightful. Some of the jokes, 
I got to say, I was like, oh, he's crossing that race line, <laughs> but not quite. Like, he just gets right to the edge of it just to make it funny enough, and then he pulls back. Dude, he's <laughs> a Midwestern Jew who performed in the comedy clubs of Atlanta while wearing gold teeth. Oh, that I know. <laughs> I heard about the whole taco stand thing there. He was, like, re- you know, like doing his first stand-up routines, and I got to say... I'm kind of glad that, like, when I did my very few, like, open mics, they were all downtown in Manhattan <laughs> and not, like, in taco stores, like, in some weird location. Because I feel in a case like that, if you don't put gold teeth in, you look like any other customer at that point in time, just rambling crazy shit, right? <laughs> so, you know, you and I discuss, you know, big fish, small pond versus, mm-hmm. you know, small pond, big fish yeah, which all is the time. Definitely what he talked about, you know, kind of coming to New York from Atlanta where he had made a name for himself, like in a really, you know, in a pretty hard area to, you know, come up that way as a white Jew from the Midwest, you know. And it's weird that he went via way of Atlanta in order to get to New York. Like, I feel like that's like the long route. I hate when people say it, but like Hotlanta is like a hot bed, man. It's it's become like a movie capital, like the South. Like it, it's 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 a hub of movie making now because it's so cheap to film like in the surrounding areas and stuff like it's a hotbed that, you know, is kind of like this tiny little like Hollywood entertainment hub now. So you're saying Hotlanta isn't just a clever name. It isn't, and I hate that. Like, I hate when people, like, make names like that. Like, I hate, like, Beantown for Boston. And, like, we had a place in Pennsylvania called Williamsport. Well, hold on. Beantown for Boston makes total sense. Well, because of the Boston baked beans. Like, the... Big beans. Birds. <laughs> yeah. Like, that makes sense, I guess. Every least. time, like, we do say, like, you know, roll that fabulous bean footage, I do think of Boston baked beans. It's not those kind of beans. I know, I know. But it makes me want those kind it, of beans. Yeah. Definitely not on the list of approved foods, no. but would love to have them. No. But anyway, back to <laughs> Noah. <laughs> so, like, you know, you know, I guess it would be for somebody who's a comedian to be a teacher would be, like, almost a perfect job. And I feel like he's not the first person I heard of that was a teacher. I feel like a lot of comedians are either... Teachers in a past life or lawyers in a past life? Like, those are the two big jobs that I feel like most comedians are because you're either dealing with complete truth in kids Mm -hmm. because... They're so blunt, yeah. Or literally, (laughs) there's a little little plug. That was a little plug for you now. That's right. And and people don't realize this, that don't know the show behind the scenes, but we get 10 cents every time we say the word blunt to promote (laughs) Noah's album (laughs) from somebody. I'm waiting to find out who the hell's paying these dimes. We run to the mailbox every day. That's right. That's like going, well, I think we believe we mentioned your album three times. Um, Payola. But um, also, like, lawyers are on the opposite spectrum where they deal with nothing but liars all day for the most part. So they get, like, you either get extreme truth in kids or extreme liars Mm -hmm. in, like, the people who you're defending. So I feel like those are the perfect two careers to, like, launch off from to be a comedian. Oh, yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And lawyers and liars are so close to each other. Yeah, that's... Word right. Word word. Wise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I mean, I feel like it was a really good thing for him to, like, 
come from that background and also, you know, just from hearing about like his upbringing as far mm -hmm. as like, you know, being in a family and vying for attention. Because that's the other thing I feel like, like bigger families always have like one comedian yeah in, no matter yeah, like what pat brown who we talked to a couple weeks ago was one of five kids you know and like and especially like coming from like this boisterous family that he talked about like you you have to kind of like be the one to make everybody laugh yeah you gotta fight your way to the top yeah. if you want to be heard during anything so, so what's your excuse because you are there's one only of two, two of siblings. us there's only two of us and the other one knew when to shut up <laughs> so it was all good um <laughs> i don't know man but I feel like I kind of fell out of it a little bit. Well, because you had some, like, life shit. And you know you have plans on, you know, going back into the comedy thing. And I think that, like, you know, what you've been through the last couple of weeks, like, eventually you're going to look back on that and laugh. And, like, that's going to inform. <laughs> oh, we're we're looking forward to laughter at some point about this. <laughs> Does anyone this. remember laughter? I'm not sure as if there's, like, a lot of laughter in, like, not being able to have peanut butter. <laughs> You have been talking about peanut butter so much, and we will get to that because this is not Roly Poly Rorty yet. No, it's not. But anyway, <laughs> so I know that Noah probably loves peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> and he definitely loves apples. He definitely does. And those are two great tastes that go great together for sure. So, I mean, <laughs> there definitely is Italian here somehow without having to make too far of a stretch. Like peanut butter and apples, Noah goes together. <laughs> so now Noah's upcoming, I believe it's upcoming, his Apollo appearance? Or yes, is it's it... in December. Yeah, so yeah, that's be... huge. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and his being, like we had joked about it in the interview, that like, you know, his being in Atlanta and in front of those crowds, because they're notorious, you know, if they don't like you, you know it immediately. And that's how the Apollo is. So he's like, yep, that prepared me well for it. <laughs> and it's so, and, and I can't believe like he watched the show when he was younger with his family mm -hmm. and still wants to go there. Yeah. Because seriously, like, I don't know if I would ever take that opportunity to go to the Apollo and do a show there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I would be brave enough either. Like, it's just, I don't, but I would never want like somebody to like heckle me, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like being Look, heckled. I can handle a heckler. I can handle three hecklers. I can't, th I'm like George Costanza, like on Seinfeld when he's like driving home from the airport after like coming back from Ohio or something and somebody insulted him at a meeting in Ohio and he's on his way back from like JFK or LaGuardia or something and he's like, ah, the jerks are gone. They went, they, they ran out of you. Like, I'm the kind of person that's like, after I could think about it, then I come up with the zinger. And it's like, I'm not too good on the fly sometimes. You see, I'm I'm the opposite where I can come up with it really fast, but sometimes I'm like, woo, it's like really malicious. Like you <laughs> yes. shouldn't really be saying stuff like that. But in my head, it's like really funny before I say it. <laughs> so it's like, you know. It makes I'll, me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'll say something like completely inappropriate and then I'll, I'll kind of chuckle at it and I'll be like, is it nobody else laughing but me in here? <laughs> and then you get the call from HR. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, come on, guys. You know that was funny. And Aaron, that call has come a couple of times in my lifetime, but I'm whatever. I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. And one of my favorite questions was, like, because I always love to save, like, a little bit of a zinger for, like, the last one. Yes. And I loved when I asked him, you know, like, because he's seen smoking out of an apple, you know, what his favorite, like, you know, what his, <laughs> yeah. like, most, you know, his most MacGyver kind of thing that he created us smoking out of. And um, and he said he hollowed a marker 
um, and put tinfoil in it and created this like really kind of crazy bong. And a Mountain Dew bottle. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever do anything crazy like that? Like I remember we made one, like my friend and I like made one out of like tinfoil and then we used, I remember we used um, an Arizona can once too. That's It was very hard and I cut my lip and I didn't like it. We used to use little film canisters, the little plastic film canisters and big pens. And then we would melt the big pen to the film canister and just, you know, make like a little, what is it? Like a... Like a bong, like an apparat, like a... Well, it was more like like, like aluminum foil like that, mm-hmm. where it would kind of just like hang down and then put like small holes in yeah. the bottom of aluminum foil. And we would just yeah, make, basically make a bowl out of it by the time it was all mm. done. And then you would just be able to clip the top on so it would hold anything in. Yeah. But we would just use it and then throw it away and that would yeah. be the end of it, you yeah. know? But for the most part... Back then, man, like it was a different time. It would just be everybody would have papers. So you would just roll joints. I don't think anybody like really rolls joints anymore these days because you see people smoking all over the streets, but most of them are smoking out of vape pens. Yeah, yeah. So precarious youth, man. Precarious youth, the things that we did. Yeah, I guess like we've definitely pioneered the way for Mm -hmm. the future generations of delinquents (laughs) down the road, but good for them, man. It's Keep good fighting to be, a good fight. <laughs> it's good to be grown-ups now and not have such vices. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're interested in checking out more about Noah's Blunt comedy album, um, you could find it. Excuse me. Can you? You can. <laughs> well, let's see where. <laughs> you can find it on Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, Apple Music, other streaming services, and of course through iTunes. And you can always check out um, Comedy Central aired his episode of The Half Hour, which premiered back in August. So I'm sure you could find that on On Demand. And it's definitely worth a watch. And you should really check Noah out. Yeah, he was very, very funny. And I didn't really know much about yeah. Noah until... The interview came up again, like, and I feel like it's all these little hidden gems that keep coming across, like, you know, our computer screens where it's like, do you want to interview these people? And it's like, you give them a listen and you're like, yeah, man, this guy is awesome. Yeah, like we're finding some really, really cool people. Yes. And then we're passing those, I almost said savings, but like we're passing, we're passing, those... We're passing those savings on to you. We're passing that goodness on to you. Yeah, more goodness than savings. Yeah, no, there's you no savings. You ain't saving much yeah. with us. Like, seriously, <laughs> if anything, you're losing money on, on some of these gigs, man. Seriously. <laughs> uh, well, thank you very much, Noah. Yes, thank you so much. Is it time for a roly-poly rarity? Do you want to get into that? Should we? I guess we could. I can't wait to see what gems this miserable face is going to be giving me in a minute. <laughs> roly-poly so you are just miserable today i am miserable today i don't know why last night was a rough night last night was because you found out that you made a faux pas on your berry during your you know recovery for your bariatric surgery yeah and how did i find out because i was basically sick for the entire day yesterday and most of the night and my back was killing me and my stomach was killing me and I felt like I had zero energy and I'm like, what the hell can possibly be wrong? And it's like 10 o'clock last night and I'm like, let me look up and see what, it was. what I could have possibly have screwed up on. Like I had to have screwed up on something, but I don't know what because I've been following everything like to the letter, yeah. like literally. And it sucks. 
following everything to the T. But you were so excited. Like, at the beginning of the week, you were so excited because you've been able to have, like, you, you had meatballs, you had beans, you had cheese. You're eating fucking cheese, man. We are a society of people who, once we are told you cannot have something, that becomes the only thing that you want. And that is never more evident than when it comes to food. Because you don't realize how much food freedoms you have until you get one thing taken away. Because that one thing will be the only thing you want. No, I know, of course. Today, it's been chocolate chip cookies. I don't know why. I Seriously, I eat chocolate chip cookie dough. But never do I eat chocolate chip cookies. Today. <laughs> no, it's not like we like sit there and we would house it. Like We would buy it on occasion. And yeah. eat it cold as just a quick little snack. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, we would never make <laughs> we cookies. Would never they make would cookie, never even hit the oven, usually. we would usually. never buy the cookies that often because we knew that that's what we would do and we knew that it was wrong. So, like, on very rare occasions would we be like, let's get some cookie dough. Right. But today, for whatever reason, I wanted actual chocolate chip cookies out of the oven. And I'm, like, going, man, I can taste chocolate chip cookies the whole day today. Like, this is what it's been. And I'm like, going, and I don't know why, because seriously, like we said, they would never even make the oven usually yeah. if we bought cookie dough. And here I am, like, just, like, wanting that one thing. And I know that is not on the list, not ever again, most likely. Well, you'll be able to have, like... No, because I feel like, you know what it's like? It's like telling a crack addict... You can have like one hit. Like don't don't go crazy. Just do just do a little right. bit of crack. Just do a little bit of crack. But you could find other things that'll be similar, I'm sure. Like there's there's ways to do things like you could everything can be made healthy. Perhaps, perhaps. And but, you are like all about Pinterest right now. Uh, well, only over the last 2 days because then I had to like start searching out like what the hell am I going to do to fix the problem that I did, which was the eating of pineapple. Now, when you leave, you get a list saying this two mm-hmm. weeks you have nothing but liquids. These two weeks you have nothing but soft foods. And one of the things is that, you know, with the soft foods right now, it's kind of like, all right, if it's soft, you can eat it. There are certain foods that they say do not eat these foods. And mm-hmm. there's a definite like list what? of don't eat them. Um, I don't know because I try not to think about them. Seriously, okay. I'm not okay. even joking. No, right. Really, really, okay. really. Fair enough. But I know that I have a list of foods that I am one like I know I'm not allowed to have lettuce for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's because it's probably really hard for you to break down. Yeah, but but I mean, like it's weird that like you can't have lettuce. You know, I know I can't have beef mm-hmm. for sure for quite some time. Yeah, for I think six months to but a year. But you can have meatballs right now as long as they're like mushed which up. is weird because yeah. it's made with meat, but. So you can have pre-made meatballs, but you but it's can't not have a steak meat. because a steak is a different process of breaking down. Still very weird to me though, because it's kind of made out of the same elements. Like you, I would think you can't have meat, you can't have meat. Then why can't you have a burger? Because that's soft. Basically, a meatball is just a burger with breadcrumbs in it. And I'm not allowed to have bread either. So it's kind of like you're really double breaking the rules, (laughs) saying I can have this. So then mash a meat, one meatball into a tiny little slider and make your homemade ketchup that you made that time and put that on it. You could do that. Can't make a slider because can't have bread. So So there's the other thing. It's not well, the, then it's not a slider. It's, it's not, just a meatball. With but what I'm trying to say is that it's not like when you think about having a burger, you're not thinking about 
oh my god i really want the bread that goes with the burger you're thinking about the the burger yeah the i want burger. the meat of the burger so like just have the meat without like we used to get with a salad you know yeah perhaps perhaps that's coming down the road. i see that like right now nothing that we say is going to be it's not anything. Gonna help. like you are absolutely miserable uh, yeah. so why don't you talk a little bit about some of like the food that you were able to have during this mushy phase well i thought i was able to have the pineapple yeah well you couldn't and that's what I found out last night. I was mixing pineapple with cottage cheese. Now, I know you hate cottage, cottage cheese. Cottage cheese is so disgusting. Cottage cheese is a definite comfort food for me because it always reminded me of my grandmother. Because my grandmother, who was very overweight growing mm-hmm. up, and she had a lot of heart problems and stuff like that. And she would always be on these diets. And cottage cheese was one of the staples that she used to have. And I remember her putting things like cinnamon in it and mm-hmm. cocoa powder in it. And... Which you can have. Like, you can oh, have yeah. those things. I could totally have those things. But I was, like, craving pineapple. And I should have known. It seems like whenever I crave a food, it's not. I should know, like, turn it down. Like, this is yeah. not for you to have if you're craving it you can't have and i just it. think that right now i don't think you're allowed to have any sugar or any fruits which are you know they're healthy to a point but they have a lot of sugars and you're like completely off of like a lot of the sugar right now like you're only having small amounts that like just come naturally in some things yeah like i can have applesauce which is mind-blowing because i feel like applesauce is so much sugar in applesauce if you bought applesauce from a store. But this isn't homemade it, applesauce. Right. This is jarred applesauce. Yes, but it's not like, oh, I'm gonna go buy the cinnamon applesauce or like the applesauce that tastes really good because well, you're what gonna the be hell able... applesauce you think I was gonna buy. Of course I was gonna buy the cinnamon applesauce. I know that, but th- you have to buy the kind that you can put your own cinnamon in because it's different. Mm. Well, that's not the good kind. But anyway, I'm thinking <laughs> applesauce. Apples still have sugar in it. Pineapples still have sugar. It's like so weird how like some things are just really, really bad for you. And you don't realize it. And what's weird is, you know, when I first read the thing, I'm like, this can't possibly be the case that this can be like making me not feel good. It doesn't make any sense. But the reason I think that is because I'm like, I have four tablespoons of food per serving that's mm-hmm. what i have and i usually have two meals a day and that's it so today i woke up extra early i'm hoping to get three meals in just to get some more energy but if you're only eating four tablespoons of food of food and two of them a pineapple that means half of your food intake is, is something you're not you. supposed yeah. to be having and then that's what i'm thinking last night like holy crap like i really screwed up for like you know two days now just eating nothing but pineapple and and i feel like you're kind of turning into like little tyler durden because one of my biggest struggles with her is that like she'll want something and be like i want to do this for lunch and when i'm thinking like okay we have to get her something for lunch it's like okay that's what you're gonna have for the week because like we're not gonna get you something different every single day because it doesn't work like that so like she'll have something for like a day or two and then just be like i'm over it and you would not shut up about tuna like when leading up to last week when you could have tuna and eggs you were like i can't wait to have this i can't wait to have this and then like you have it you had it once and like that's it actually no i had i had one can of tuna lasted me for three meals so i had it three times for a can and i actually had three eggs to, to this point but the problem with it is is that 
like the cottage cheese is something that I had for for the last three days in a row, and something that I would have continued to have had if I knew the pineapples weren't screwing me up. So then you find something else to put in it. But the problem is, is that that wasn't giving me like any acid reflux or anything like that. Like so, the z like the noodleless lasagna mm-hmm. tasted fantastic, loved it, but because you couldn't put like the sugar chaser in it to like not make it so acidic. Then I wind up getting like really, really bad acid reflux from it. I have a hard time digesting it because instead of Mm -hmm. just, you know, getting to my stomach, it's just kind of hanging out and burning in my throat. And then after that, it's kind of like, well, Jesus, man, I made enough of this to last me a month because (laughs) like seriously, like if you make two cups of regatta cheese mixed with sauce, mozzarella and four meatballs, tiny meatballs. That literally has been in the refrigerator for a week now. Yeah. Because it, it's such a little bit, but it hurts so bad after eating that. Well, then maybe we need to find, like, I'm sure that there's some kind of, you know, sauce out there that has, like, you know, some kind of low acidity. They make orange juice that's low acidic, so perhaps we could look into that. Perhaps we can. But I think that's, like, mostly the main thing right now is that, like, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, I got a lot more doors open and, you know, the food that I have, like, definitely tastes good. Mm-hmm. It just isn't necessarily easy to digest, which makes it kind of like a curse because you're like going, damn, I can have this There's shit. There's only a certain amount that you could have. But yeah. I really can't have this shit. Like, you know, technically I can have it, according to the doctor, but body-wise, it's kind of like yeah. it's going to reject it. Well, so. yeah, yeah. And it's and it sucks because it's kind of like ah oh, you finally got this list of things that you can eat but what are you gonna do with this stuff that you know for kills you you can't really do anything with it so all right well we could find other things and by this time next week you're gonna be on a whole different diet anyway so I cannot believe at it. least it's just two like it's like just two weeks it's not like you have to stay on this for six months like because that would be a bit much right. And I mean, and there's a whole bunch of foods out there that you know you look in these groups and it's kind of like and you can have this and you can have this. But nobody puts time frames up, so you're like going, oh, I can't have bread, but maybe I can have cloud bread. It looks good. And even if it doesn't, you know, have any taste to it, at least it's something to hold something together. Right. So if I have tuna fish, it's like, oh, I'm having a tuna fish sandwich right. as opposed to. Right, you can to... trick your mind almost, yeah. Right. So, I don't know, it's getting there. Thank God for Halo Top ice cream is all I got to say, because that is the number one thing where it's kind of like. It doesn't you bother my stomach. You five miles to get <laughs> Halo <laughs> Top ice cream. And if you guys don't know about it, it is like this amazing brand of ice cream. So good. It is um, like some, there's like a bunch of different flavors. Um, in the city, which you know, the city that has everything, it's extremely hard to find. Like cer- only certain places have it. You can order it online. Yep. Um, so Google Halo Top ice cream. But... Um, they have like really like you know a bunch a bunch of like different flavors and it's not just for people with bariat who've had bariatric surgery but like a lot of like diet bloggers and instagrammers that i follow like swear by this because it's high in protein everyone has like 24 grams of protein and <laughs> which i think is of the of most importance to us yes. <laughs> to people like us <laughs> is you know of course it's it's a pint so it's the size of like a ben and jerry's ice cream and the entire pint 
is 240 calories. I don't know how. And it's like, but certain flavors, like certain flavors go up to like 300 and something depending on like what you I get. I think 320 is the highest. Yeah, I don't I don't know exactly what the thing is, but like it's like you can eat the entire thing and it's 24 grams of protein, which is like way more protein than you get for like a lot of things that when, when you think about it. And the chocolate so far is my absolute favorite. It's so creamy and so good. The chocolate's really good. Um, we got lemon cake, which was really good. I think, and I've only had a spoonful of it. I think the mint chocolate chip is going to wind up being my favorite. Yeah, it's really good. And it's a white mint chocolate chip. If that like matters to anybody out there. I know some people that matters. I, to some them. people just <laughs> have an issue with me. I'm like, I don't care what color it is. I'll eat you. <laughs> mint chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip is going down. So I think that's the, the plus is that, I mean, there are definitely good things. The, the, the menu definitely does change every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So just when you're like, oh, man, I'm frustrated. I want to like throw something through the window. It's kind of like, all right, you know what? I got one more week of this shit left. And then it changes up again. Yeah. And there's definitely like a lot of options that you could have now. I mean, because like you could have, you know, a nice piece of fish. You just have to like mash it up or, you know. Right. And I mean, it, which is gross, but then you get these instances like the other night where we totally get screwed, where it's kind of like I can have a bisque. I can have like a seafood bisque <laughs> if I want. <laughs> and I'm like, and you were like going, oh, my God, look at this. There's a place online that delivers. Because I like came home from work and bisque. I didn't feel like cooking. And I was like a lobster bisque. Because, you know, if even if you go to like a good restaurant and you get a lobster bisque. The pieces of lobster in a lobster bisque are so, so small that right. it's kind of like, I'm not going to be missing anything if I push them out of the way. Who cares? Right. And like you can strain it because you have like, you know, you've ordered like food for Tyler and like gotten soup and like strained it so that like you at least still have this like the flavor of the stuff right. that came with it. It's not just like broth that's kind of like bland. You actually have something that has like a bit of a texture to it and flavor. Yeah. Well, this lobster bisque that we ordered <laughs> the other night was really like a cup of noodle soup Seriously. lobster flavor. And I'm like, when it came, I just looked at it. I was like, there's no fucking way that's my dinner tonight. I, was so I cannot eat any of that. I felt so, so, so bad for you. Because in that case, what do you do? You just look at it and you're like going, oh, I guess I'll just have the boiling water, which is the only (laughs) part that I can really have out of anything that's in that container right now. Plus, it was over a thousand calories for a cup of soup. No, no, that wasn't even the calories. It was the sodium. Oh, the sodium was over a thousand. The sodium was like 1040 milligrams. And I was like, what? Yeah, that's okay. I think I'll just keep all of this intact. Yeah, and just have your regular stuff. Yeah. And that would, um, I guess, conclude our roly-poly-rody segment because, I mean, anything else outside of this is just going to get me even more aggravated. And we don't want that because you are just a turd out there. <laughs> Play the music. Ah, oh, So how's the job going, Nikki? It's good. It's busy. It's a busy, busy, it's a busy, busy world being a journalist again. You're newsy now. I'm newsy. Newsy. I went from nosy Nikki to newsy Nikki. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) It's very interesting to like be on a train at four in the morning. How's that going for you? It's actually, I get a seat, man. And I'm like, you know what? I'll go anywhere at any time if, if I'm guaranteed a choice of a seat. It has its ups and downs. Like I would say like the pluses that like, you don't have to deal with a bunch of bullshit commuters for the most part. And yeah. I have to ride home even, I would think, is a lot um, less crowded. See, it, 
Yeah. Compared it, to five o'clock, if you get to leave at it one. It depends. If, yeah, like if I leave at like one or two, which is like, you know, when like the shift is usually supposed to end. Supposed like, to. But as news happens, you know, like I'm in, I'm working in print and web again, like and I'm working, you know, the print component of a, of a web product or the web component of a print product. So I know that like that world is like, right. you know, my old job was the first job that I ever had that like, hey, man, it's eight hours. Get out. Like I never like that was like, what is this? Like, I'm supposed to be here for two more hours. And I'm like, nope, eight hours. So like that was always like really weird. But I work in the financial district, so, like, I have to go through Fulton Street, which just opened this, like, really nice Fulton Center station that has, like, a Shake Shack in it, and it has, like, all these fancy stores in it, and it's just up the street from Oculus, which is, like, this other amazing, like, complex that's near the World Trade Center. So, like, it's constantly packed with fucking tourists, and every day... <laughs> like, I'm walking, and, like, so I work on Broadway. So, like, Broadway, as you know, is just a piece of shit like from the moment it starts down in the financial district until like you know it gets past like like you know it gets up into the upper west side so we get like tons and tons of tourists and then you get these people that go down these because like fulton center has like it's like a circle so it has like various points of like entry to go down into the subway system and the the stairs are very narrow and people are just like I'm gonna be on my phone as I'm walking down the stairs which pisses me off to no end that's every station man and then you get these people that just stand in front of the like stairs going down into the subway platform and they're just like are we supposed to go here if you don't know where you're going don't stand in front of the fucking stairs move over there is a beautiful wide hallway people yeah, tourists are never, ever, ever going to understand it. I feel like we should put out a public service announcement. Maybe it's something that we should just throw up on YouTube of just like, hey, if you're coming to New York City, this is how you should act. I know there's a couple of them out there, but I feel like Stop you and talking, I. trademark. I feel like you and I can come up with a lot better one, like a more realistic ones. Here's what the people living here think, <laughs> think about that you. you should do. <laughs> like, and why you should act like this to avoid this. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's fucking brilliant. And we're not going to talk any more about it because my wheels are returning. Well, if we're not going to talk about that, then what shall we talk about? Uh, did you know? You want to do a did you know? Should we? We could do a Should Did You Know. Should we dare do a Did You Know? I feel like we did enough of a little buffer in between our uh, segment musics, which is kind of <laughs> nice <laughs> as opposed to. <laughs> we should just have a segue segment. A segue segment. All right. <laughs> It'll be like, what's Nikki doing at her job this week? What's going on at Oculus? <laughs> and then we're going to come up with a music for what's going on with Oculus. Oh, my God. That sounds kind of like, like Oculus, like I'm kind of just, pick, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, Like I see it when I come out of the subway station in the morning and like, I usually am like I have the perfect amount of time to like get upstairs, get a coffee and then like get to my desk and I have like 10 minutes to spare to like, you know, dick around as one does before they like get into work mode and stuff. And I just see Oculus and I'm like, now would be the perfect time to go there because to get those pictures, because like if you Google it or you see you follow people who like take pictures and stuff like they're showing it's like stark and it's white and it's like beautiful and pristine because it's brand new so it's like i want to see it but it's like do i take like the 10 seconds to go and like check it out at four in the morning no probably not yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into it did you know then because we do know that nikki will not be going to oculus at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> for sure i guess not 
Did you know? This week's Did You Know is directly related to Noah's show at the Apollo. Oh. And here on today's Did You Know, we're going to talk about some Apollo facts. Ooh. All right. Is the fact that we used to live right near it one of them? That could be number 1B, but I have a 1A already. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We did actually used to live a lot near, like very close Mm -hmm. to it. And I got to say, like, in the time that we've been up here, almost it's going into five years now. Um, No, it's not. What is it going into? We just four years now. You are just not very good with numbers. All right. I'm a year off. What do you want, man? I'm malnourished. It has changed a lot. It has changed a it lot. It has, yeah. The neighborhood has definitely changed. For sure. And, and you know, I would think for the better. Not all people do, but whatever. I, yeah, think, I think it's in good. certain ways. You know, it has, like, like every neighborhood in New York, there's good and bad about everywhere. There certainly is. Do you know <laughs> that it wasn't always called the Apollo Theater? I did not know that. Well, look at me. What? Right off the bat. You you stumped the New York history buff? I'm putting my glasses back on for this. Back in 1913, oh, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> Herdig and Simone's New Burlesque Theater opened on 125th Street in Harlem. Who? It was Hertig and Simone's. Okay. Hertig and Simone's. I don't know. I'm just, I just wanted to hear you say it again. That's what it was. <laughs> the duo found themselves out of business when Mayor LaGuardia banned burlesque in New York City in 1933. A, a year later, the building was renamed after the Greek god of music. From 1935 until the late 1970s, the Apollo would be putting on the famed variety show format on the map. That is so cool. Yeah. The show itself, um, as far as that goes, only the first 300 acts in line are able to audition for any show. And if they make the cut, they'll only have 90 seconds to perform. Jesus. Jimi Hendrix, the Jackson 5, Ella Fitzgerald, the Isley Brothers, Patti LaBelle, and Lauryn Hill are amongst the stars that began their careers on the Apollo stage. That is so neat. Oh, my God. Another notable is Gladys Knight, who currently co-hosts BET's Apollo Live. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine coming up to Harlem, like, back in the late 60s, early 70s, whenever it was, and just happened to see, like, Jimi Hendrix standing on live for an audition at the Apollo? I can't even. I I can't. (laughs) Because, like, when I, like, I love thinking about, like, the past of Harlem. Because, like we said, we've lived here for quite some time. And just, you know, the Apollo is such a huge part of the history here. And, like, we live in a very historic, like, area of Harlem called Sugar Hill. And, you know, a lot of the jazz greats lived in these, you know, walked these very same, you know, sidewalks that we walk. And, you know, and it's like Cab Calloway lived in our neighborhood, which is, like, amazing to me. Because that was, like, my grandfather's favorite musician. And... Like, just to think that, like, the people that played at the Apollo, man, like, that's just really, like, I never knew that much of its history. Well, it is very historic because Harlemites aren't the only ones who consider the Apollo their pride and joy. In 1983, the venue was deemed a federal and city landmark following a few decades of financial turmoil. The Apollo Theater Foundation, Inc., a nonprofit 
dedicated to preserving and developing the theater was established in 1991. And to ensure its longevity, the Apollo Theater was given a 99-year lease for $1 a year to ensure that it stays in the community. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Like, in a city where, like, they raise, like, you know, it's a city that's rich with history. And I think that they do try to take care of as many, like, historical places as they can. But, like, when you think about it. Every Every place place is is historical historical in the city, seriously. So, like, they have to, like, really, like, once in a while, places get lost, you know? And I think that's, like, really, really cool that they were able to kind of do that to preserve that history. Like, that, like, makes me very emotional. Oh, don't get crazy over it. (laughs) Because if you really, really want a piece of the Apollo Theater, and you want to really, really get the full experience of just running your own show, and Noah, listen... If you need help, you let us know because we'll do whatever we can for you. If you want, you can rent the Apollo Theater. Oh, my gosh. If you want a party with more than a thousand of your closest friends, the Apollo Theater welcomes patrons to borrow their space for weddings, graduations, fashion shows, photo shoots, and more. Rates start at (laughs) $1,000 and max out at $30,000 for the day. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So there's hope for all of us to make it to the Apollo Theater. We'll do my 40th birthday there. Sure, why the hell not? <laughs> Let's do that. We'll just fill it with puppies, and they'll charge us the full 30000 and just put a puppy in every seat of the Apollo Theater, and you could just stand up there and eat cake in front of them. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would be the best birthday that ever was. <gasps> and that would be the end of the Did You Know segment. Did you know? I'm going to be completely useless now because all I'm thinking about is me just in the middle of the Apollo with just filled with puppies, just swimming through puppies on my 40th birthday. Oh, my God. This is me developing your private hell. That's never going to happen. My private hell? (laughs) Yeah, because it's never going to happen. I hate you. Wow. So that's our show, everybody. That is. That is our show. Thank you so much to Noah. Yes, be sure to check out his album, Blunt. Um, You can find it on all streaming services and iTunes. And, of course, we'll have links to, you know, his album and, you know. Et cetera and so forth. And whatnot. You know what we do. Jesus Christ, we've been doing it long enough now. (laughs) So, um, So, yes, thank you to him and... Thank you to you guys for listening. If you would like to learn more about our show, please check out our website at highregardshow.com. <laughs> or you can email us if you want your suggestions or whatever the hell it is you Puppy want picture. to Send about. us a picture of your dog. Sure. Send us a picture of your dog. Mm-hmm. We almost used that promotion for October, I think. We were going to do Dress Your Dog Up, something like that. We didn't know. wind up doing it. Whatever. October's over, so move on. I know. <laughs> so... Anyway, if you want, you can email us at highregardshow at gmail.com. And you could always talk to us on social media where we share quotes from the show and photos and all sorts of goodness on every social channel as High Regard Show. That's it. I'm going to get myself some Halo Top ice cream. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.